Welcome, listener, to episode 30 of the Antigen Internet Radio Show. My name is Jason, and I'll be your host tonight on Shipful of Bombs, South End on Sea's premier internet-only radio station. Tonight's episode will be dismembered and reassembled into a one-hour special due for transmission at the end of March. Every show on Shipful of Bombs has been asked to produce a one-off end of the Pierce Seaside special, so if you're listening to this in March, thinking this topical current affairs show isn't very topical or current, it was originally recorded and broadcast in January. If you're listening to the show for the first time, perhaps with an elderly relative or a small child, please be aware that this show contains strong, bloody violence and scenes of a sexual nature. We open tonight's show with Murdered Mermaid Song by McGillivray, taken from her Watermarked in Flame mini-album, which came out on Antigen Records in 2018. A performance of the song also features an Andrew Cotting's film, The Whalebone Box, and it prompted Mark Kermode, writing The Guardian, to invite audiences to hear the poet-artist McGillivray perform her spine-tingling murdered mermaid song in a church, sounding for all the world like a whale out of water, crying plaintively into the abyss. The song itself is based on the story of a Hebridean mermaid which came to shore near Grimness on the west coast of the island of Benbecula in 1830. An account at the time stated, The upper part of the creature was about the size of a well-fed child of three or four years of age with abnormally developed breasts. The lower part of the body was like a salmon but without scales. Of course, the local townsfolk immediately drove the creature back into the sea by throwing rocks at it, and it washed up dead on the beach in Cull Bay a few days later. 
but as Jonathan Gullis, Conservative MP for Stoke-on-Trent, would say, it shouldn't have come here illegally. Some listeners in Southend on Sea City might be nodding along vigorously at this point, wishing they could return to the good old days of the 19th century before all this wokeness, when you could deter mermaids from crossing the Atlantic and coming over here to seduce our men with their abnormally developed breasts just by throwing rocks at them until they were dead. Now, of course, we put them up in hotels while our own British mythological creatures, like the Hobbs and the Boggarts and the Ratman of Southend, are homeless and begging on the streets. Time for another salty tune. This one's from our very own rat men, Dead Rat Orchestra.
Dedra Orchestra with Joy Sorrow Sulaska from the soundtrack to the BBC documentary The Guga Hunters of Ness, released by Critical Heights in 2012. Sulaska is a small, uninhabited Scottish island in the North Atlantic, populated by a large breeding colony of gannets. Every year, the men of Lewis make a perilous journey to the island to harvest 2,000 guga, or gannet chicks, for consumption on the mainland. And by harvest, I mean whip them out of their nests with a noose on a pole and then beat them to death with a stick. You're listening to an Antigen Internet Radio by the Seaside special on Shipful of Bombs, Thames Delta Independent Radio. I'd like to reassure people who are upset by the mermaid story in the opening segment of this show. I'm fairly certain the people of Benbecula did not kill a poor defenceless mermaid by stoning it to death with rocks on the beach. It's probably only an abnormally large-breasted seal or a walrus. Back then, in the 19th century, before Theresa May became Home Secretary, rocks were the only way the people of Great Britain could create a hostile environment for new arrivals. Now, in more civilised times, we adopt a very different approach. If they have legs, we try to drive them back into the sea, and if that fails, we promise them a one-way trip to Rwanda. If they have flappy tails, like a fish, we film them masturbating in public and post it on Twitter. This was the case when a real-life mermaid, by which of course I mean a walrus, turned up on the Yorkshire coast at the end of last year. Given the name Thor, this saucy pinniped delighted crowds at Scarborough by masturbating for them on New Year's Eve. Videos of Thor's celebrations confuse viewers like me, who'd been innocently searching for the latest instalment of the Marvel superhero franchise on Disney+, Plus by typing wanking Norse gods into Ask Jeeves. I've watched Thor Love and Thunder and I can honestly say that I would, in retrospect, have preferred to have spent those two hours of my life watching a masturbating walrus.
cry for their dad While their teeth fall out Turn yellow and black While your eyebrows grow long And your belly gets big Kosalek and Jimmy Laval, with Here Come More Perils from the Sea, taken from the album Perils of the Sea, which came out on Caldo Verde in 2013. Next up, we have a song performed by my dear friends Kitty Whitelaw and Tyma Given, collectively known as Sea Lion Woman. In Celtic mythology, the Sea Lion Woman, or Selkie, is a mystical marine mammal able to transform itself from a filthy seal into a beautiful human lady at least in the eyes of horny Scottish fishermen who've been living too long without a real woman in a bothy in the middle of nowhere. They didn't leave beach marine mammals to masturbate forlornly on a Scarborough jetty. Instead, they would coerce the hapless sea creature into a doomed interspecies relationship by stealing her magic coat. It's all on the album. (laughs) 
Sands by Sea Lion Woman from their Siren mini album, which came out on Antigen Records in 2018. As my social media friends will already be aware, on the 29th of January, I opened Twitter and was confronted with the words trending in the UK, Wank Alone, Braverman, Madonna. 
when you get to my age, it's increasingly difficult to keep up with trends. But I thought, as it was a Sunday morning and I had nothing better to do, I would give it a go. I don't know about you, but that's an observational comedy alert. I don't know about you, but I find Suella Braveman a bit of a masturbation challenge. <laughs> She's not pretty Patel, or Grant Chaps, is she lads? Hey, hey. Obviously, like many red-blooded Tory men of a certain age, I get aroused when I imagine her stripping away my fundamental human rights, but I can't get over the fact that she looks like a character from Wallace and Gromit. Like someone typed into Midjourney, create an Oscar-winning claymation embodiment of pure evil in the style of Nick Park. Now, some of my feminist friends will be understandably enraged by that remark, objectifying the Secretary of State for the Home Department, mocking her appearance without taking into account her achievements in government. So I created some content for the show to redress the balance by reflecting on Braveman's record in public office, but it won't fit the runtime, so we'll save it for next month, if she's still in post. But for now, let's return to the beach. The first time, he prayed in the valley, then don't start to tremble in the 
Shelton Swain, Stanley Swain, Ronald Swain, George McKenzie and Reverend W.G. McPhee with Numberless as the Sands on the seashore. Taken from the real Bahamas in music and song, released as part of the Non-Such Explorer series in 1966. Some listeners who have lives outside social media will be blissfully unaware of the reason Wank Alone was trending on Twitter at the end of January. Sadly, it had nothing to do with Andrew Tate being forced to engage in solitary self-abuse in a Romanian prison cell. Instead, some wag started a cynical social media engagement exercise in which participants were invited to replace a word in a famous film title with the word wank. For listeners outside the UK, wank is a vulgar slang term for masturbation. The word wanker, a person who wanks, is also used as a derogatory insult, usually directed at a man you're angry with or dislike for some reason. For example, you might use the term bus wanker to describe someone who makes an important decision affecting the economic prosperity of a country for a generation to come, based on words they've seen written on the side of a bus. Anyway, that's what people do on Twitter. I don't think Elon Musk gets enough credit for making this happen. He's a man who once threatened to waste his unimaginable wealth putting an end to world hunger. But then thankfully saw sense and purchased a social media platform instead to channel all of his divorced dad energy into making wank hard with a vengeance the top trending subject in the UK at the end of January. I feel we're straying a bit from the theme of the show now, which is of course... By the, by the sea. Three weeks after you left home Frank found out you played trombone And that in fact you formed a band in Canberra Sands You weren't bad, how well did you know? Your dad all the summer spent fishing Didn't catch nothing except a skin condition 
Christian hereditary I heard that you did more than just hold hands in canvas sands You weren't bad, how well did you know? Peter Pop picked back pickle peppers, pickle peppers, Peter Pop picked Peter Pop picked back pickle peppers, just how many pick peppers? Peter Pop picked, 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 in canvas sands, he weren't bad. How well did you know? I've been sucking splinter stuff. Bright broke, bumping, broken in, broken into since I don't more than just tired hands in canvas sands. I weren't bad. How well did you K-I-S-S-I-N-D First comes love, then comes marriage Balls in the biscuit tin Well, hooray, hooray, pom pom pori Girl sexy, drinking Pepsi Cinderella dressed in yeah. Peter Pop picked back of pickle peppers Pack of pickle peppers Peter Pop picked Peter Pop picked back of pickle peppers Just a minute, pick Peter Pop picked Peter Pop picked Peter Pop picked a pack of pickle peppers The artist, formerly known as Mick Squalor, now known to the people of Manningtree as Councillor Benjamin Brown. That was taken from Live at the Battle Royale, a CD documenting one of his earliest solo performances recorded upstairs at St Jude's Tavern in Ipswich on the 17th of August 2013. I've been to Sands a couple of times, most recently in 2012 for ATP's Nightmare Before Christmas, curated by Shellac of North America. My most vivid memory apart from seeing Nina Nastasia for the first time, was the beach. After about 10 minutes of walking, the terrain transformed from shingle into a field of sea-salted human turds and tissue paper, peppered with the odd used condom and improperly flushed tampon. Back in 2012, this seemed gross, unpleasant and a bit surprising. Now, of course, after three years of Brexit, it's something we can celebrate because although the EU Water Framework Directive has been retained, its terms are no longer enforceable, and no meddling Brussels bureaucrat can threaten our government with fines for failing to meet European clean water targets. Data obtained by the Labour Party from the Environment Agency through a Freedom of Information request found that in 2021, water companies spent almost 2.7 million hours discharging sewage into the UK's rivers and seas, more than 25 times the amount released in 2016. A comparison of data from DEFRA and the European Environment Agency shows that in 2021, the water quality at Britain's beaches and rivers is now among the worst in Europe. Only five European countries, Albania, Estonia, Hungary, Slovakia and Poland, have worse water quality than the UK. My supplier, Anglian Water, came under fire in August of last year when ITV News revealed that 40% of the river water flowing through Sheep's Green in Cambridge was in fact raw sewage. Brexiteers were quick to counter, 
that this meant 60% of the river water flowing through Sheep's Green was not raw sewage, and that surrounding the UK with a flotilla of human faeces could in fact have several benefits. It could act as a deterrent against foreign mermaids tempting our menfolk with their abnormally developed breasts, and it should, in theory at least, deter their modern-day counterpart, the masturbating walrus. But most importantly, discharging untreated sewage into rivers keeps our privately owned water companies competitive. In 2021, UK water companies made £2.8 billion in profits. My supplier, Anglian Water, made a £392 million operating profit. Older listeners may remember, water in England and Wales was privatised by the Thatcher government with the Water Act of 1989. Figures issued by the National Audit Office show water prices have risen by 40% above the general rate of inflation. And according to research by Professor David Hall of the University of Greenwich Public Service International Research Unit, despite acquiring the company's debt-free, the owners have accumulated debt of more than £50 billion, effectively used to finance shareholder dividends of over £50 billion. The annual cost of these dividends and interest on the debt is £2.3 billion a year more than if water were under public ownership. You're listening to Shipful of Bombs, the station where you have to make your own entertainment while I talk about the economic impact of 34-year-old legislation. Let's have a tune. is this? What am I doing here? How did this happen? Why am I asking you? I'm beginning to suspect foul play. Late at night, when I am sleeping, you slimy mofos come up breathing, sucking me into your world of horror. Can this be the world of tomorrow? Wait a minute, just a second. I know who you are. Yes, it's true, you're the citizens of the neighborhood. What the hell is it that you're trying to Just 
Sug's Rift with a title track from the album Island of Living Puke, released in 1986. Chosen because I couldn't find a song called Island of Floating Human Turds. I talk a lot about Brexit on this show, but I recognise that even three years on, it's still a sensitive subject for some people, so I normally try to be as impartial as possible. But as the 31st of January was Brexit's third birthday and 58% of our audience in Southend voted leave, I think it's important we use this show to celebrate some Brexit success stories. Regular listeners will be all too aware that Brexit has lifted the metric yoke, which has been hampering our international trade since 1965 with its ubiquity. And we are, once again, allowed to measure our distances in rods, poles, barleycorns and furlongs and our publicans are no longer forced to serve pints in litres. But that's not all. These pints no longer have to be served in pint glasses bearing the hated CE European conformity mark. They can now proudly display the crown stamp. The crown stamp was used as far back as 1698 and acted as a declaration that the vessel, when filled to the brim or the line measure, accurately held a pint. However, the British Beer and Pub Association points out that the new post-Brexit crown stamp is purely decorative and people should not infer from it that the glass contains a full pint of beer. It may sadly fall short of expectations. But there have been plenty of other Brexit successes. In fact, Boris Johnson even had to create a new ministerial post to keep track of them. On the 8th of February 2022, he appointed Jacob Rees-Mogg as Minister of State for Brexit Opportunities. First on Jacob's hit list was the so-called lawnmower tax. As the Daily Mail reported in April, the UK axed an insane law that would have forced ride-on lawnmowers and golf buggies to be covered by their owner's car insurance, potentially adding £50 a year to insurance premiums. This would have even applied to use on private land, affecting my dear friend Bruce McGregor of the one and only EMF who has a fleet of motorised lawnmowers to maintain the grounds of his estate in the picturesque village of Lindsay in Suffolk. Luckily for him, the Motor Vehicles Compulsory Insurance Act of 2022 came into force last year, confirming that a Court of Justice of the European Union ruling that vehicles not designed for use on roads require compulsory third-party motor insurance no longer forms part of binding case law, as defined in Section 6 of the European Union Withdrawal Act of 2018, which effectively means if you get run over by Bruce McGregor on a motorised lawnmower or a golf buggy on his country estate in Lindsay, his insurer doesn't have to pay out. Which might sound bad, but remember, he saves £50 a year. For those of you interested, the Court of Justice of the European Union case concerned a Slovenian farm worker, Damien Vanuk, who was knocked off a ladder and injured but the driver's insurance rejected his claim. Get well soon, Damien. More Brexit savings after the next track.
Dead Kennedys with Moon Over Marin from the Plastic Surgery Disasters album, released in 1982. 
Having helped UK landowners escape the introduction of lawnmower insurance, Jacob turned his attention to his next target, the placement of emergency exit signage in the Dartford Tunnel. There is um, a law that requires in tunnels, so if you go through the Dartford Tunnel, there have to be signs saying how you get out of it every 25 metres. But in this country, we use yards for road signs. So the signs say 121 yards in one direction and 1,152 yards in the other. We've got very funny numbers. And this is all because of an EU regulation hitting UK law and coming up with an odd answer. After listening to that clip, some of you may be wondering how Rees-Mogg identified the most important post-Brexit priorities for the government. It turns out he had help. On the 9th of February last year, Mogg took out his quill and wrote an open letter to readers of The Sun. In the letter, he admitted he was unable to identify regulations that needed scrapping by himself. He was, after all, only paid £151,649 a year, plus expenses, to be Minister of State for Brexit opportunities. Instead, he needed to consult the hoi polloi, to find out which EU regulations readers were most keen to repeal. I will read to you a short extract. He wrote, Over decades of membership of the EU, the ship of state became encrusted by regulatory barnacles which need removing one by one. Hence my appeal to sun readers. You are the ones who keep the economy going day and night, be it as blacksmiths, matchstick makers or chimney sweeps. You are the ones who know the red tape that binds your hands. And to do my job, I need your wisdom. Ronald Reagan rightly said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. This needs to be turned on its head. Britain needs the sun reader's help. I implore you all to write to me with the regulations you want abolished. I only had to make up six words of that. The rest of it was entirely genuine. Rees-Mogg also sought the views of Daily Express readers and picked his top nine from what he described as thousands of suggestions. Most of them appeared to involve relaxing EU health and safety laws in the workplace, or red tape if you're Rees-Mogg, like reducing fixed wire and portable appliance testing and removing the requirement for agency staff to be qualified to do their jobs. But my favourite, and second on Jacob's list of priorities, was lifting the 1400 watt power restriction on vacuum cleaners. I was pleased to read that, because, like Jacob, I've always had a devil of a job sucking the soot off my chimney boy with a 1400 watt Dyson.
Fever, performed by Nick Cave, featuring the Bad Seeds. And that was for Jacob Rees-Mogg in his barnacle-encrusted ship of state. Mogg has previously argued that the UK could go a very long way to rolling back EU standards, and said that regulations that were good enough for India could be good enough for the UK. On the 6th of December 2016, he told the Treasury Select Committee, and we could, if we wanted, accept emission standards from India, America, and Europe. There'd be no contradiction in that. Well, we just, so, well, we could, in principle, simply in allow, principle, we have no emission standards at all, we effectively. Could say, we, we could say, if it's good enough in India, we'll accept it here. Interestingly, 
Air quality data from IQ Air shows that in 2021, the two most polluted cities in the world were Bihadi and Ghaziabad in India, and that 21 of the 30 most polluted cities in the world were in India. Now, some listeners in Southend are probably thinking, if it's good enough for India, it's good enough for me. I'm just glad he sorted out the distance between those emergency evacuation signs in the Dartford Tunnel. Those funny numbers! Rhys Mogg moved on in September to spend seven short weeks as Secretary of State for Energy, Business and Industrial Strategy before returning to the backbenchers. If you are thinking of applying for his old job, sadly, you're out of luck. The position of Minister of State for Brexit Opportunities no longer exists. Sharks patrol these waters. Sharks patrol these waters. Don't let your fingers dangle in the water. And don't you worry about the dayglow orange life preserver. It won't save you. It won't save you. Swim for the shore just as fast as you are able. Swim like a motherfucker. Swim. shifts to now, the ever-glorious now, the ever-present now, dredged in flour and deep-fat fried and cooled on paper towels and then devoured. You know, I spent 15 years in a life raft, 15 years in a life raft, now I got something to say. Stay in your lifeboats, people, stay in your lifeboats, people. It's murder out there, murder out there, sharks patrol these waters. Sharks patrol these waters. Hey, don't you worry about the Diglow Orange Life Preserver. It won't save you. It won't save you. Swim for the shores just as fast as you were able. Swim. Morphine from their album Yes, which was released in 1995. With the IMF forecasting in January that the UK will have the weakest major economy in the world in 2023 and be the only one of the G7 to see a fall in its GDP, I was relieved to hear Minister of State for Trade Policy Greg Hands announce a much needed Brexit banger new pork markets. Pork markets? Yes, the unfortunately named Greg Hands, hopefully not another Chris Pincher, trumpeted a new trade deal with South Korea, removing barriers to the export of bacon and pork sausages, which could theoretically be worth up to £1 million over a five-year period. That's £200,000 a year. 
which means it will only take 200,000 years of sausage sales to South Korea to compensate for the £40 billion lost in government tax revenue in one year of Brexit. £40 billion is a big sum, one based on a six-year modelling exercise by the Centre for European Reform. I don't know about you, but it's difficult for me to get my head around the enormity of that figure. Sometimes I find it helpful to imagine I'm an Essex farmer who voted for Brexit. I discover some posh boy unlawfully prorogued Parliament to bungle through a deal without proper scrutiny, and as a result, I've lost £200,000 of my own money. Maybe because I can't hire enough EU slaughtermen to turn my fat pigs into delicious bacon. The reason's not important, it's just a thought experiment. But then another posh boy comes along and he tells me it's going to be okay, as a South Korean person is going to buy a sausage off me for a quid. That's how great the New Deal is for the UK. But £200,000 a year is still a lot of money. To put it in perspective, it's pretty much the same as Greg Hand's claims in expenses. £195,520.35 between the 1st of October 2021 and the 30th of September 2022. So in a year that the IMF predicts the UK's economy will be outperformed by Russia, demonstrating the impact of Brexit is only marginally worse than a combination of war and international sanctions, Greg Hands has announced a Brexit deal that annually will cover his own expenses as an MP. I call that a win. That's enough Brexit birthday fun for one episode. I don't want listeners in Southend soiling themselves with excitement. Let's calm things down a bit and return to what's supposed to be the theme of the show. This is Vashti Bunyan with Window Over the Bay. I wish I had a window over the bay and a black horse grazing on the green all day. I wish I had a well to draw my water from and a warm log fire for when the summer is gone I wish I had a window over the bay and a flock of white sheep to watch from where I lay I wish I had a little boat bobbing on the deep and a big wood table all laid out for tea. I wish I had a window over the bay and a dreamy eyed cow to fill my milking pail. I wish I had a cockerel to raise me Over the Bay by Vashti Bunyan from Just Another Diamond Day, which came out in 1970. I had planned to talk about Nadim Zahawi and Andrew Tate on today's show, 
but I've been spending too much time on Twitter and not enough time writing content. Hopefully, they'll both be back in the news later this year and we'll give them the coverage they deserve. But meanwhile, on Twitter, on the 20th of January, Pink Floyd updated their profile picture to help us celebrate or commiserate the 50-year anniversary of the release of Dark Side of the Moon. The new graphic, a number 50 over a triangle, controversially contained a spectrum of colour in vertical stripes from red to violet within the zero of the number 50. Understandably, this provoked outrage from a small subset of Pink Floyd fans. While Bill tweeted, Lose the rainbow, you're making yourself look stupid. Head slap emoji. Michael Donovan chimed in with, What is that Pink Floyd? What a disgrace. And it was the last straw for Laco Botek Botos. He, she or they, if they're non-binary, typed, From this moment, I don't listen this band. David Tupman adopted a more conciliatory tone, but he still had questions. He tweeted, Are you going woke with rainbows? Is there a straight flag? I want equal representation. Don't get me wrong. We should all be true to who we are. Peace. I didn't share David's liberal acceptance of scientific fact. Nothing enrages me more than the gayness of light refracting through a prism. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing against the behaviour of light behind closed doors, but I draw the line when people are forcing it down my throat on a prog rock social media page, or even worse, when it's up there, all over the sky, where kids can see it. We didn't have any of this back in the good old days, in the early 17th century, before Isaac Newton came along in 1665 and used a prism to discover the existence of homosexuality.
praise, let me bless, let me preach, let me confess the hopes and doubts that press on me. Let me sing, let me write, let me hold her in the night, let me tease my kids and get their tea. Lord, give me life, 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 Rev Simpkins, with the title track from the album Big C, which we released in September 2020. I visited the Reverend Matthew Simpkins just over a week ago at his country cottage. We had a long chat about all sorts of things. In the course of the conversation, he revealed that one of his biggest fears is developing an involuntary erection while receiving a massage. I checked and he was talking about an ordinary therapeutic massage that one might perform on an Anglican priest not one of those special massages a young person might give to a Catholic priest, an ordinary massage. So I shared with him a little trick I heard about, one that's employed by nurses and other medical professionals when they're confronted with a priest's, air quotes, involuntary erection. Follow me on Twitter and I'll share it with you too. You never know when it might come in useful. I mentioned this mainly because I know Matt listens to the show and he would normally repost the Podbean link on Facebook. So, so I always try to include rude and inappropriate content for him to accidentally share with his parishioners. Anyway, that was Big C by Rev Simpkins, a man who loves the seaside so much he wrote an entire album about it. And that is about it for the Seaside Special. You've been listening to the Antigen Internet Radio Show on Shipful of Bombs, Thames Delta Independent Radio, Southend-on-Sea City's premier internet-only radio station. The station has a Patreon site, allowing you to support its work if you're minded to and have the means. Check the programme description for details. I'd like to thank my friend, the Reverend Matthew Simpkins, for his contribution to the Mermaid segment. Uh, sorry I spent so much of the show talking about masturbation and motorised lawnmowers. I realise the audience for that kind of thing is quite niche. Uh, maybe even a Venn diagram set of one person living in the picturesque Suffolk village of Lindsay. So let's return one more time to the actual theme of the show. This is the Band of Holy Joy with Prams, Piers and Bitter Tears from the Big Ship Sales 10-inch, which came out in 1986. And I bid you farewell for now.
Thank you.